Welcome to Havilah's podcast. I'm Havilah Cunnington. Well, today we're gonna conclude our teaching of Leap into Love, session one. It's really been about what I hate what I see in the mirror. That's been the title, but we're kind of digging into the idea that we have evidence of self-abandonment, self-rejection that shows up in our everyday life, and it might surprise us. It's not as obvious as you might think. In fact, most of these things are things we would not relate to self-criticism. So the cool part is, is that we're spending a lot of time talking about these topics. And if you're just jumping into this podcast, yeah, it's going to feel like the conversation's been going. So don't forget to go back and listen to the last two podcasts because that's really the completion. In fact, I would even recommend you don't listen to this part and you go back to the third, first one and listen to it. Um, and it's about three parts and um, we're talking all about self-abandonment. And then we'll drop the next lesson, hopefully the next couple weeks, which is all about recovering ourselves and learning what God confidence looks like, growing in self-acceptance and radical love towards ourself and towards others. So I won't keep you any longer. Let's jump into the conversation as we go into our third part of I Hate What I See in the Mirror in our Leap into Love series. See, I want to just, we're going to talk about this in week three, but I want to just get you to think for a minute. Have you ever wondered or thought about that maybe the way that your hair is, your skin color, your eye shape, your body, your voice, all of that is connected to the plan and purpose of God for your life. That your body isn't a burden. It's not something that we carry around and try to get to the deepest heart so we can get to the right stuff and the pure stuff and the good stuff. No, no. What if God wanted your frame to be the perfect representation to carry the purpose of God in it? You see, when we start to understand that God made me a woman because in the, in the purpose of me being a woman and the nurturing heart that I have and the female parts that I have at times are the very, the very component for the purpose of God to come through in my life. You go, well, I haven't had a baby. So how about you're picking on all of us that haven't had babies? Can you stop it? You are the, a nurturing machine on the earth. Women are what keep people alive. It doesn't matter if you gave birth or not. That's not the defining factor to you being a woman. You have breasts. You're a woman. Kind of. Some of you, you know. But like we all have, we all have this innate nature God gave us to see the world. Women don't start wars. Come on. Women, you don't see women on the earth hurting people. Not often. Maybe husbands, but most often we don't see... Women aren't doing violent murders, and it's not, I'm not trying to, I'm saying we are made different. We carry a different form, and our purpose on the earth is connected to our femininity. Our purpose on the earth is connected to our body shape. Our purpose on the earth is to represent Jesus by our smile, our eyes. You know, God wanted the earth to be filled with people that didn't look the same. Can I get an Amen. God wants us to look different, to have a different face, a different shape, a different color. He doesn't want us all to look the same. God is the, he is the one that said, I don't want any of you to look the same. You guys are so boring. You want everyone to look and act and be the same and have the same shape. I want people of all colors and all ethnicities and all nationalities and all, you know, two different genders and all of those things. I want it to, to be the form in which I, you show the earth. Like when I started to embrace Havilah, I realized it wasn't just about my heart. Although it is, heart is, I mean, that's the most important, but 
I had to realize that all the way from the top of my head to the tips of my toes was the life and breath of my purpose on the earth. And something happens to us when we realize this is not a burden and this is not a dying body we're trying to get through, but we realize God's purpose shines through this, and this is why we take care of it, and this is why we smile at people, and then, come on, and this is why we start looking, we start trying to stay refreshed, because we are demonstrating the life of God on the earth. We can't just say, well, just look at my heart. People are like, I looked at your face, and I don't think I want to serve Jesus. Your heart might look like heaven, but your face looks like hell. I might edit that for the video, but I'm just saying, <laughs> it's just critical that we understand that our bodies, you know, and for women, sometimes I think we just, we get ashamed of our bodies. They haven't always been the best, safest place for us. And I want us to redeem that, get it back and realize that God wants to take our whole bodies, not to be afraid of our shapes, not to be afraid of our, how, what we look like, not to be ashamed of our skin color, our eyes, or how young or old, or just to be ourselves fully accepted, fully embraced by the beloved to say all of me, body, soul, and spirit. So God's basic and ultimate plan in creating you and I is to know and experience him. God has never changed his ultimate plan. He created us for a relationship. In fact, John 17, three says, eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ. Listen, what's my purpose? You just got two purposes right here. If you're dealing with, what's my purpose? I don't want pur your purpose, to know God and to experience him. You do both those, you're doing really good. You're living smack dab in the purpose of God for your life. There is a third component, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. It says this, to, I love, uh, YWAM has this, this, uh, this mission statement, and I just wish I, I wrote it myself because I love it so much. It says, to know, to know God and to make him known. That is the mission. And I love that thought, to know, and to, but I would like to add to be known. So to know God, but to also be known and enjoyed and celebrated, and then to make him known by being celebrated and loved for who I am. To say, do you see how loved and accepted I am? I know a God that could do the same for you. I know a God who feels the same way about you. We can't give what we do not have. And so God's ultimate plan for us is to be his kids, to be loved and accepted for who we are because we belong to him. So your full potential, our relationship with God is only the first half. The second part is that we would fulfill the full potential of Christ working in and through our body, soul, and spirit. So here's what I want you to capture for a minute. And I hope you capture this because we sometimes miss this as believers. It's not just to know God. That's half of our purpose on the earth. To know him and to see him and for him to know us. But the second half to our purpose is to experience the fullness of God operating through us to the earth. This is why, let me tell you something, when you begin to let the spirit of God operate through you, you, you begin to be addicted to being in his will. You know, there's something about when we all, when I preach, uh, you used to talk about the anointing and I'd be like, yeah, the anointing. But I'll tell you, there are certain moments when I'm preaching where the anointing hits and it feels like I could go on forever. It's like a runner who runs marathons. I've heard, apparently you get this wind. I've never actually had that. I've only been winded, but apparently 
there's this like, they're like, there's this moment where you can just run forever. I'm like, how is that like the mile 30? I don't know where that is. But for me, when I'm preaching, all of a sudden, I realize, again, we are the body of Christ. Hand, feet, I happen to be the mouth. You, God has all different things, right? But when I'm operating as the mouth that God's given me to encourage and exhort the church, I begin to feel something hit me where I'm in the full potential of what God put me on the earth for. If you put me in front of a computer to administrate something, you will realize I am not in the full potential of what God gave. I've done it. I've answered phones. I've cleaned toilets. I've done it all. And I will do, gladly do it. That's not the point. There's, just some, there's a sweet spot in our purpose. There's just something happens when we go, this is the fullness of Christ operating in me. I know that when God had me in the heavens before I hit the earth, he saw Havilah and he knew this would be my fullness operating in her on the earth. And the goal is not to move away from that. Well, I should go over here and I should do this. I should, no, no. I just want to stay in that lane and be who God's called me to be and do it well. And I like to say favor comes when you are the best you are wherever you are. No less, no more, no more value, just a role in the body of Christ. And so what does a successful life look like to God? Success in life isn't about who we are or what we have. This is critical because you know at the church we get stuck with this. It's who I am. It's what I have. It's what makes me valuable. But what it really comes down to and what success is, this is critical and you can write this down. God-given success relates to who we are and what we and what we have done with what we have been given so god's success relates to who we are and what we have done with what we have been given you go i haven't been given much well what have you stewarded with that little see some of us go well i want a lot then i'll steward a lot you won't you won't this is why god you know it, it, things come slow with god sometimes because he's like steward a little we don't want to kill you give you a little bit more don't want to kill you okay that good you're, you're living but this is what's critical is that if you do this, you'll live a full life. You do this, you'll be fulfilled. You'll, you do this and life will start to work out for you because you're living in the purpose that God has given you. When reaching our full potential becomes the best version of the person God created you to be, nothing more and nothing less. I want to finish with Second Timothy chapter 2. And not finish, but just a bigger thing. Chapter 2, verse 20. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. I love this. I hadn't read this before, and it just caught my attention. This is the Passion Translation. It says, in a place you'll find many kinds of containers and tableware for many different uses. Some are beautifully inlaid with gold and silver, but some are made of wood and earthware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions, and some for everyday use. But you, Timothy, and this is Paul speaking, must not see your life and ministry this way. Your life and ministry must not be disgraced for you, for you are to be a pure container of Christ and dedicated to the honorable purpose of your master. Just look at me for a minute. We don't use this very often in the church, but I just want to say this to you. I want to commission you just as Paul is commissioning Timothy. I want you to hear this because this is critical to you living as a fully functioning Christ follower on the earth. I want you to understand that you are a pure container for Christ. 
That is your birthright. He wants you to be a, a pure container for Christ. And he wants you to be dedicated to the honorable purposes of your master. You are dedicated. Look at me. You are dedicated to the purpose of your master. You are set apart and you are dedicated after a holy calling. You are a royal priesthood. Come on. And so your purpose is, is a high calling. And this is where we start to go through all the mud and mire of all the stuff that we've gone through and the storylines and the pain and the hurt. And we start to reach higher because we realize our calling is higher. It's to get higher. You lifted me out of the muck and mire and you set me on a solid place. You pulled me up. And then he says this, prepare for every good work that, that he gives to you. Run as fast as you can. From all the ambitions and the lust of the use and chase after all that is pure. Look at me. You need to chase after all that is pure. Well, I'm married. Exactly. Chase after all that is pure. Come on. Well, I don't feel pure. That's okay. Chase after all that is pure. Because that's who you are. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must become your holy pursuit. Do you have a holy pursuit? Is your holy pursuit that you feel confident or is your holy pursuit that you'd become the person he called you to be? And live in peace with all those who worship our Lord Jesus with pure heart. See, um, here we see each of our lives was created to be a vessel for God to use, but he encourages us to be a pure container for Christ. So our potential. So that's my potential is to continue the deep work of self-acceptance by accepting the person God created me to be without disappointment, without fear, and without anger. For me personally, that's where I'm at. God, I want to accept who Havilah is without disappointment, without fear, without anger, without it feeling like I'm missing something. I want to know that what you created in me was enough. I know you said it, but I needed to go deeper than here. I needed to go in here. So that every environment I go into, I'm not questioning my worth or my, if I'm valid or if I'm wanted or if I'm needed. But I know I am who you've called me to be. And I am enough because I belong to you. It's also not about seeing ourselves better than others because of the magnitude of our impact. Our impact will never validate our value. Our impact will only be connected to, to what we do on the earth to help people in our reward in heaven. I can't remember what I said, but it's something like that. <laughs> I was trying to think of those two words. Ben's not here, but the, uh, oh, I know. Your value will never change, but your effectiveness will come and go, and it's up to you. Your value will never be decided by you. It was already decided. Get an old penny, a new penny. What, how much value do they have? The exact same. Because it's not what they look like. It's the creator of it that defines the value. Come on. So your value is in God because of nothing you've done, nothing you could do, not because you came to church on a Wednesday night, not because you're saved and sanctified. Your value, you, when you were in the earth clubbing and hot tubbing, or you're in the church on the prayer ministry line, you have the same exact value. Your value will never change. God will always see you uh, as his child. 
He will always see you as his own. He will always fight for you. But then when we get into being into a, a Christian community and we start to live for him, our effectiveness does change, which means how we begin to lead our life, we can either partner in effectiveness to reaching others for Christ, or we can sit and hang out and wait for somebody else to reach people. And we don't think it's that big of a deal, but the Bible says when we get to heaven, we will be rewarded for how we lived on earth. And so sometimes we go, it's so hard. And I go, don't worry, the reward is coming. I don't know if I can do this. You can do this because the reward is coming. And when we get to heaven, he'll go, look at all the things you did, all the lives that were impacted, the kids that you raised, the people that you ministered to, your neighbors, the people that you were connected to, all of them are because of you. And we'll have that like, it's a wonderful life moment. So this is what's really important. Why is self-acceptance such a hot topic right now? And why do we need to talk about vulnerability and authenticity? Why do we need to recognize the areas in our lives that point to a deeper root in our life? It's because the enemy of our soul wants to rob us from ever feeling like we belong and we are connected and we are worthy. The enemy of our soul is using all of his energy to come and diminish any sense of confidence because he knows, he knows your value better than you know your own. And he's terrified of who you are as a woman when you begin to realize the authority and the power you hold on this earth. And so all he has over you is to lie to you and to diminish the call of God on your life to where you will finally walk away from it or you won't fully be activated. And so what we have to understand, and I bet you anything, if you were to think about your own life, I am confident that early on as a little girl or even maybe as a young woman, your identity came under attack. Somebody in your life came to take from you your confidence. Someone in your life came to show you that you were not worthy of love. You were not worthy of acceptance. You were not worthy of belonging. And that narrative the enemy was hoping would follow your whole life. So when you get into environments like this, that narrative would be something that would drown out all the love of heaven over your life. And so what I have found in my own life, and this is critical, when I was a young woman, I dealt with a lot of learning issues that came from a very uh, intellectual family, still are very um, educated and um, uh, accomplished. And I, I'm not. I'm not. I had a lot of learning issues. I still have a lot of learning issues that I, I work towards, and I, I work hard on reading and writing and spelling and all those things. And so when I felt the Lord tell me to write a Bible study, I was a stay-at-home mom with two kids, and the Lord said, I want you to write. And I, didn't, I said, well, I'm working at the church right now. And he said, I want you to stop working at the church, and I want you to spend every nap time writing this Bible study. And I was like, I, okay, you know, I can do this. It's a long story, but I told my husband I knew we'd have to move out of the home. We wouldn't be allowed, could, couldn't afford it without my job. We'd have to sell one of our cars, and we would end up moving in with another family with two of our kids, and I find out the week we move in that I'm pregnant with our third kid. So super fun time in my life. So as I get in there, I'm writing this Bible study. I have this idea. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? There's this thing called YouTube. Remember YouTube. And when it was a big deal, like it's not that big a deal anymore, but back in the day it was kind of a big deal. And I said, what if I recorded me teaching the Bible on YouTube? 
So I'll never forget, I got my Bible, I took a shower, I sat in front of the computer, I had my coffee, and I'll never forget the first time I did it, I had set my coffee mug up, and in the middle of me recording, the coffee comes down, splatters all over my Bible, all over my computer. I mean, just a mess. I'm wiping it up. And for years later, I had Bibles, like coffee marks on my Bible. And um, so I threw it up on YouTube, and I'm like, this is the moment. Like, God could do anything. And at that moment, I threw it up, and I had 17 views on on that Bible. And I'm sure my mom was like two of them, like positive my mom was two of them. And, and at that moment, I thought, well, I'll survey people and we'll see what they think. Like, maybe I'll just survey and maybe they could give me some good feedback. And so I threw out a survey monkey to the 17 people that had watched mine because clearly it was revival. And so I threw out this survey and I'll never forget, I get the feedback and most of it's very kind and gracious. I, knew, I think they knew I was beginning. But there was one person who wrote on there, honestly, it wasn't better than a Bible class at high school. It wasn't better than a high school Bible class. I didn't learn much. And I remember reading it in my car and I just began to cry because I'd put myself out there and I assumed that it would be somewhat received and it wasn't by this one person. I wanted their phone number. Have you ever had that? Like, give me your, God, give me their phone. Give me the download. I'll call them right now. And, um, I cried not because of what she said. I cried because of the own self-rejection that I was living with and feeling that I wasn't even worthy to say anything and that they would find all the holes in what I was doing. And I remember having a really good cry and I thought, God, you didn't make me smart. You didn't give me the intellect. I, I don't know how to do all these things You're, I, that's in my heart. And then I try and it's kind of a mess and it didn't really turn out like I thought. And I remember the Lord just challenging me about my own self-acceptance and being able to say, Havilah, you belong to me. I'll help you. I'll help you grow in this to you where you'll be able to be who you're called to be. And so I remember leaning in and saying, okay, God, I remember thinking I got to have thicker skin. If I'm going to be out there, I got to have thicker skin. And I got to, I've got to, I've got to learn what it looks like to just know who I am in him aside from what everybody else thinks. And so I went back to work and I went to writing another Bible study. And this time I was going to do it in paper. And so we did this study called Keep Calm, Finish Strong. And I went to our church leadership. I said, would you mind if I lead a Bible study called Keep Calm, Finish Strong? It's only a four week. Would you mind? And I said, I think there'll be like 30 women. And the first week we did it, we had a hundred women show up for this Bible study. We had no more room. And we did four weeks of the study. I'll never forget. We, we were so late on the print. We went to the local printer and we did, they were red and the red leaked on everyone's hands during the whole thing. And someone said they put it on their passenger seat and there was red on their seats. And I was like, well, I don't have, I have not like, you can take my kids. Like that's the only collateral I have. I have no plan for this. And, um, and then as I moved here, we took over more revolution and I was like, Lord, there's this heart that I have for Bible studies and teaching women in the word. And I don't know how to do that because I'm leading more revolution. I want to steward that really well. And the Lord just said, you know what, just write on your own time in your own way. And we threw it up on Facebook called uh, Radical Growth, a guidebook to growing a vibrant life. We did another study called I Do Hard Things. And eventually it grew and grew until we finally had thousands of women around the world doing these studies. And I think back to that moment in the car with the 17, 16 people that loved it and the one person who didn't. And I think about if I had bowed down to my own self-rejection at that moment, I would have went in hiding. 
and I think about how many women and men need your life. I think about when the body of Christ, if we were to get whole as wives and moms, daughters, leaders, if we were to get whole, really whole, where we begin to accept ourselves as Christ saw us and knew us, and we went deep, in the next three weeks we're going to do that, we're going to go into the roots and why they're all there and how do we get rid of that and how do we build, but I just, I guess I just have this dream that we would have this radical movement of women that can lift their head up and know their confidence is set because of who they are, not what they have or who they know or what they own or what title they have. They just are themselves wherever they are. I hope at the end of these four weeks, when you go into every room, you'll be, you're the only person you're going to want to be is yourself. That's my dream for you. Let's pray. Amen. All right, Lord Jesus, I thank you for these powerful women. I thank you that you love them, and I thank you that you made them right now. I thank you that they're on a journey of self-discovery to see where they've abandoned their self. I just want you to think about, let the Holy Spirit come in just for a second, and let's just respond to the word for a minute and just ask him, Holy Spirit, out of those 10 areas that Havilah listed off, out of those 10 external evidence or the internal evidence, what are the areas that you're putting your finger on that's showing me I have a need? I need to grow in this. Lord, I've let perfectionism lead me. Lord, I've let perfectionism lead me to performance, which led me to feeling like I was worthy. Lord, I've been critical of others. I've talked down to people because it's made me feel like I'm something or better or I somehow am more evolved, and yet, Lord, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to grow. Lord, there's parts of my life where I feel superior. My parents felt that way. My grandparents felt that way, and I know it's a part of my lineage, and I, I got to break that off. I don't want to feel better than anyone else. I want to feel like we're all one family, and we all belong here. And for others of you, I just... Even like myself, we just abandon ourselves and we go back to old patterns or thoughts or whatever it is to stay safe. And yet God wants us to respond at this moment to say, God, help me in this. Lord, I pray in the, to this week as we jump into this study, I pray that you would wake us up every morning as we open up our word and we grab our coffee or tea and we go, I'm getting into this word. I pray that we would slowly transform moving forward day by day. And by the end of it, God, we would see that you have radically transformed us. Lord, many of us are in new seasons. We've never been here before. We've never done what we're doing. And I ask God that in the newness of the season, we would see you as you've called us and we would see what it looks like to be yours. Teach us, God. Awaken our hearts, God. We want to be fully present to your purpose on the planet. Wholehearted. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Well, that concludes our teaching, our three-part teaching on I Hate What I See in the Mirror, Discovering the Self-Abandonment, and rejection and how those things show up in our everyday life. I hope you've enjoyed this. Listen, all of this stuff, teachings, books, content is all over at truthtotable.com. That's like farm to fork, truth 
www.thetable.com. You can find all my courses and classes and memberships and everything is over there. My whole world is over there. So if you liked this, you'll you'll like everything that's happening uh, over there. Uh, but also, if you're like, gosh, I really like what we're talking about and I want to know the whole thing, you need to get my book, Leap Into Love. Yes, I use the word need because the truth is you can't possibly learn everything there is about this topic in a 15-minute podcast. I've written everything that I spent, like all my energy writing and researching and diving into the word and just getting to the nitty gritty of self-acceptance and radical love. And it's all there. So you can pick up Leap Into Love on Amazon. It could be at your house tomorrow, or you can download our Kindle version. Um, and then you can also jump into our free study. There's a 20-day study happening live right now over at Truth The Table. And I'll walk you right through every single day of the devotional um, live at my kitchen table. So please don't let anything stop you. Remember, you're responsible for your spiritual life. You're responsible to grow your spiritual life and that requires discipline, it requires acknowledgement, it requires you to invest just like you would your physical body. You have to invest in your spiritual life. And so take some time. It may not be my stuff, it may be somebody else, but do something, please do something. Um, if nothing else, I love you. Thanks for giving me 15 minutes of your time and I'll catch you next time.